You are listening to the sermon podcast for Salem Presbyterian Church in Winston-Salem. Thanks for listening. To learn more about our church, visit salempresws.org. That's salempresws.org. We believe preaching is best when experienced as part of the larger drama of God's people gathering. Something spiritually unique happens when God's people are together. We meet each Sunday to let the liturgy shape us, to hear preaching, and to take the Lord's Supper. And these acts are more robust when done together. Join us Sunday evenings at 5 p.m. in downtown Winston-Salem at 600 Holly Avenue. All right, so we are um, we are looking at the Jesus Storybook Bible that um, some of you have read to your children, some of you children have read, and um, probably some of you adults who don't have children uh, have read it just because it's such a great book. But if you haven't read it, uh, it's by Sally Lloyd Jones, and um, I'm just going to be going through many of the stories uh, in that Bible. Um, the first one we looked at last week was the creation story, uh, the perfect home. And um, I talked about how in the first story, uh, the point was that God put Adam and Eve on this planet to take God's own creativity and to spread his creativity across the planet. And so um, we talked about last week how um, even though Adam and Eve um, 
fell and decided to be like God uh, and wanted to be the creator rather than the sub-creator, God still has this plan to have the human race, and we're doing it. Um, we're spreading it across the globe. We have largely spread across the globe, and we're bringing God's own uh, creativity of taking um, nothing and formlessness and void and then filling it with things and uh, forming it into things and bringing uh, order out of chaos. And we are called to do that the way that God did that with the creation story. Um, now, that story, that plan is so beautiful and glorious that it made um, someone very angry. And uh, that someone's name is, is Satan. Um, and this is what we read about Satan. Uh, if you've read the Jesus Story Bible, this is what Sally Lloyd-Jones says. He had once been a beautiful angel, but he didn't want to be just an angel. He wanted to be God. And he grew proud and evil and full of hate. And so you can imagine why this, this being that's very mysterious, we don't know why the serpent is there, we don't know how he came to be there, but we have this, and the antagonist, the enemy, throughout all of scripture, the evil one, and he hates the idea of God's glory being spread everywhere, God's creativity, uh, God's electric energy, uh, and uh, his love, his beauty. Satan obviously hates the idea that that could be spread across the globe, and so what he does is he he injects this terrible lie. That's the, again, that's the title of this chapter of the Storybook Bible. Satan wants to inject this terrible lie so that um, we who are the ones who are called to rule and have dominion would instead of bringing God's glory everywhere, we would spread ugliness and hate uh, and power and control and the desire to dominate. Dominate instead of dominion. So that's what the terrible lie is all about. It's, uh, it's, Chapter 3 of the Bible, it's um, the, called The Fall, capital F-A-L-L, The Fall. Um, and it's the most horrible event in history, if you believe in the scripture's story about things. Um, but it's not the end of the story. So you have the terrible lie, but then in the same story in chapter 3, you see the way that God takes that terrible lie and he, he, he flips it upside down. He reverses the lie. And so the very lie that Satan tries to inject in our hearts, God uses that um, to show us the opposite of lie, to show us the ultimate truth. And chapters 4 through 929 in the Bible are all about the way God reverses this lie and brings about redemption. So that's what I want to look at, the, the terrible lie. But then the way that God takes that lie and kind of like jujitsu, he uses the, the energy of Satan against him to actually make Satan's attempt to create this lie bring all the more uh, glory to the opposite of the lie, the truth about God and who God is. So first of all, what is the lie? Well, it begins in verse 1, where it's insinuated as a question. So if you notice, the strategy of the enemy is always to start with simply questioning. So he's not going to go right out and say, uh, God is a liar. That doesn't happen until a little bit later. At first, it just comes into your mind as questions. So that's how evil gets to come into you. You begin to ask questions. Maybe it's about your, your spouse or it could be a question about your parents. You begin to question them. Now, questioning can be good sometimes, but this is kind of a, a suspicion, a dark suspicion. Um, you might start to have about your boyfriend or girlfriend, um, but uh, it's, it's this darkness that starts to come into your mind. And the way that Satan does it is he begins to kind of like put a little dropper of poison dark ink into the mind of Eve, where um, the atmosphere of Eden, which was so gracious and generous 
uh, is now beginning to be polluted uh, by a sense that God is a, is a harsh God, a strict God. So look at verse 1. Uh, did God actually say, notice the question, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Now notice how clever that is, because God did say, you shall not eat of that tree, only that one tree. You can have every other tree, but just one tree. You can't have that tree. And now Satan is beginning to twist things so that he says, um, did God actually say you could not eat of any tree in the garden? Like, you see how strict he is? Uh, he's trying to make God seem like this atmosphere of, uh, of strictness uh, and tightness and surveillance. I don't know about you, but I had a certain uh, set of grandparents where that home was the strict home. Um, I, I know other people who've had, like, one set of grandparents is really easy, relaxed, and warm in their house. You can put your feet up on the sofa. You can drink Coke on the sofa. Uh, you can have snacks. This house, my other grandparents' house, was kind of like you couldn't touch anything. And you, uh, you couldn't really make any noise there. And you couldn't put your elbows on the table there. And you couldn't run around in that house. And if you said even, oh my gosh, like if I said, oh my gosh, they would reprimand me, uh, which I couldn't understand at all. Um, and my parents would warn, me, you, it would warn me when we go to that house, they're religious at that house. So be careful about what you say at that house. And that is kind of what Satan is doing here to Eve. Um, He's beginning to make her feel like she's in this atmosphere that's like that grandparent's house. Where things are kind of strict and tight. And so you notice that she adds to God's prohibition, which makes God seem strict. And in verse 3, she kind of correctly answers, but doesn't completely correctly answer Satan's question. She says... uh, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden. So she does correct Satan in that. It's not any tree, it's just that tree. But then notice she adds, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. So she's already beginning to be influenced by the idea that God is this harsh, um, strict taskmaster. As Jesus said, he's a hard man. In one of the parables, um, one of the characters in the parable hides all of his treasure because he says God is a hard man. He's harsh. He's like Mr. Gradgrind, you know, in, in Charles Dickens. He's, the, he's this um, very strict overlord. And um, he's beginning to seduce Eve's heart away from God. Beginning to make her think differently about God. He's shifting Eve's trust away from the one who really loves her and towards himself. It's a a seduction. That's what's going on here. Nothing less than a seduction of trust. And I I know of a case um, of a pastor in our denomination who was counseling um, a husband and a wife. And over time, he began to fall in love with the wife he was counseling. And so he began to meet with her alone and began to counsel her to distrust her husband and to trust him. And over time, he seduced her away from her husband and got her to think worse and worse about the nature and character of her husband, which is horrifying. And um, thank God uh, this pastor was confronted, uh, repented, never was allowed to be a pastor again, which is right, uh, and, and was then restored uh, to the Lord's Supper at some point a year later after many, many, many months of repentance. But nevertheless, it's a, it's a gruesome tale 
Um, And it's very similar to what's going on here in this story. At some point in time, Satan realized he has gained her trust. And so he just then comes out and directly calls God a liar. He, uh, he says, you shall not surely die, verse 4. Now, God had said, if you do eat of that tree, you will die. You will surely die. And Satan says, you shall not surely die. So at some point, he just decides he's gained enough trust in her. He's going to show all of his cards, and he contradicts God. This is what uh, Sally Lloyd-Jones says in the Storybook Bible. Uh, this is Satan asking Eve questions. Does God really love you? If he does, why would he not let you eat this nice, juicy, delicious fruit? Poor you. Perhaps God doesn't want you to be happy. And then he kind of insinuates to Eve that there's a real reason that God is keeping her back from that tree. He, um, he suggests to her that the real e- reason that uh, God has prohibited her from eating that tree is because if you eat of that tree, verse 5, you will be like God. And almost all of the, the greatest theologians in the church history have agreed that this is the essence of sin, is pride, is the desire to be God, the desire to be our own God, uh, the desire to raise ourselves up as Satan did and want to surpass or at least equal God. That's what he's saying. God is holding you down, Eve. Uh, God is keeping things back from you. And so when you are hearing in your mind, which I'm sure you do because I do all the time, like... You hear in your mind uh, this whisper that good things are being withheld from me. I, I deserve better than this. That's, that's the whisper of Satan. That I should have more. I should be more. Um, I should have a better job, more money, more prestige, whatever it is. Things are being held back from me. I'm getting a raw deal. This is not the way my life should be going. If I were running the universe, I would run it better than God. And Eve is beginning to think that she is wiser than God. Um, Verse 6, when she saw the tree was good for food and a delight to the eyes and desired to make one wise, she and her husband, who's been standing there next to her the whole time saying nothing. That's an interesting part of the story, just his silence, his complicity by being silent and cowardly and doing nothing. They together both took and ate. And so I think... Under this first point about the terrible lie, you know, the the things we should be asking ourselves is, um, do I make decisions based on what uh, God says in his word very clearly? He usually repeats it like a hundred times, so it's not like he has to leave us guessing. Um, Do we make the decisions based on what he says in his word, um, or do we make decisions based on what our eyes see, what seems pleasant to us? Do we ever pause to consider when we're making a decision Uh, What does God want here? Like, what is God's desire? What does God say about these things? Often with your body or your time or your money. Those are kind of the big three. Like with my body, my time, or my money. Am I going to make this decision autonomously? Is the big word often is used. uh, That humans are acting autonomously as if we were law to ourselves. Or do we act in submission to God? Uh, Or do you think no one can tell me what to do with my life? I alone am the captain of my ship. I'm the master of my fate. That's the big lie. That's the terrible lie. That the, the rulers of the earth have now gone rogue. You can imagine the fear in the, in the eyes of the animals when they realize that the ones that God has given complete dominion over have now completely gone rogue and the world is in terrible danger. Because instead of 
being gentle gardeners, they're going to be dominating tyrannical uh, rulers. This is what, again, the, the Storbuk Bible says, a dove flew from Adam's hand, a deer darted in a thicket. It was as if they were frightened of something. A chill was in the air. So it's kind of like something from a horror movie, you know, that something horrible and dark has happened to this planet at this moment. This is when everything went wrong. And it seems like at this point you would say Satan has won the victory, that um, God's beautiful plan has been shattered. And yet the rest of the story of the Bible, the whole rest of the story is God reversing this lie and uh, bringing things back to himself and reconciling the world back to himself. So that's the second point, the reversal of the lie. 